Hey guys, Skeletoni here. And Taylor of Terror. And we're here to tell you about Amazon.com. I think most people know about Amazon. Well, sure. Millions of people shop on Amazon every day. Right. Most of you probably shop on Amazon already. So why not let your favorite podcast get in on the action? Yeah. Just go to Amazon.GravePlotPodcast.com and shop as you normally would. Plus, by going to Amazon.GravePlotPodcast.com, you can get 30 days of Amazon Prime free. That's right. Get free two-day shipping, plus access to Amazon Prime Instant Video, including thousands of movies and TV shows. So head on over to Amazon.GravePlotPodcast.com and get shopping. Amazon, and you're done. And we're done. Let's start the show. Folks, welcome to another edition of the Great Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. How you doing, Taylor? Good. Um, how was your Halloween? Uh, wasn't bad. Uh, sat around. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that was our goal. We, <laughs> you know, we got into an age where we just don't want to go to more than one party or you know, go out on the town. See, I'm I'm not at at that age, and I'm older than you. Well, you know, different strokes. <laughs> Um, yeah, we just sat at home, watched movies, and that was, that was it. Cool. Yeah. We, we hit the town. Yeah. We, we went out to, uh, the hillside. I came in third place in the costume contest. Did you? Yeah. Nice. 125 bucks. Not bad. Yeah. Did you spend it on drinks? Uh, no. Oh. I think I spent it on coffee later in the week. Ah. Yeah. Well, you know, coffee's good. Coffee's a drink, I guess. <laughs> Uh, what else is new? Uh, not much. You've been watching Elevator. I watched the first episode. I haven't watched. Second episode's better. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I was a, a little underwhelmed by it. I love it. I think it's great. The only thing is, I think the challenges are too easy. They're too easy, and you know, I can't remember if we were both watching. No, we, you had already seen it when I was watching it, but um, I was telling you it's people like us will never get on that show watch the second episode and you'll disagree really yeah Hmm. okay they up the ante in the second episode all right i'll check it out but i still think the challenges are too easy i think they need to shave about 30 seconds off every challenge like gradually just make the time whatever the time is that they have now make the challenge 30 seconds shorter Mm. um from what I saw, it, it seemed like they need to throw in more, uh, you know, like throw a monkey, monkey, monkey wrench, uh, monkey wrench in, you know, in things, um, um, just to make things a little more interesting. Cause it's like you said, they, 
I feel like they need like a last twist at the end, to, like you, when you when you think you have it, and then something else happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like the final challenge in the first episode is like this woman was strapped to a crematorium like tray. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for lack of a better term, table. Um, and you know she's in this cream, you know, crematorium, um, and she's supposed to be digging through these ashes next to her for multiple keys to unlock the straps that are holding her down. Right. And that seemed difficult because there were obviously keys in there. There was dummy keys. Yeah. 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 Um, but it, like it was almost to the point where it seemed impossible. Well, not impossible, just very difficult. Like, yeah. To the point where it's like, how is anybody going to do this in such a short amount of time? True. But at the same time, it wasn't scary. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, like we were saying, uh, you know, I'll check out the other episode or the new episode um, to see what's, what's changed. But like I said, you know, people like us that just don't scare easy, I don't think that we'd be all that startled by what's going on. The second episode is a little less like haunted housey uh-huh. and a little more like fear factory. Okay. Not Fear Factory, the horrible metal band, but like Fear Factor-esque. Right. All right. Well, I can take that. But, you know, we were talking about that when it, I think it was maybe before it actually premiered, um, people comparing it to Fear Factor. Or no, we were talking about a different show. Never mind. The MTV show. Fear. Fear. Right. Okay. But more fear factor. Got it. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Like uh, my, I, I think I posted this on Twitter or something. But my my biggest issue with it is that it's not on a premium station. Just to see what kind of shit the Saskas would say and do. Yeah, yeah. I think you know you're you're putting a leash on them basically. Yeah, they could do way worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about Crypticon. <laughs> um. Yeah, when they announced it was going to be on GSN and like announced like that they were going to be hosting it and that the you know Blumhouse was behind it, uh, and you know the, the, the theme of the show, it's like GSN, the network that my grandmother watches. <laughs> um, but you know, whatever. Uh, did you watch Ash versus Evil? Dead? I did. I actually I watched it last night. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. What'd you think? I loved it. It's pretty good. I thought it was great. Uh, the only thing I, I didn't really care for that the whole thing started because Bruce or because Ash got really high and recited the Necronomicon. That to me that that seemed like perfectly Ash to me. Really? Like something that he would definitely would do, but it seemed a little phoned in. Yeah. So I don't know. I was torn about it. I guess. Um, and like I was watching it with my girlfriend and. As soon as he pulled out the book, we're both just like, why does he still have it? <laughs> where where did he even get it? Well, because he called somebody from a bookstore and was like, remember, I'm that guy that came in and talked to you about a certain book. Yeah. So why did he go buy it? Well, maybe he... He thought he could keep it safe or something? Well, maybe he was looking for advice and maybe he already had it. Oh, maybe. Um, but... I'm wondering, like, where the fuck did he even get it? Because he didn't have it. 
<laughs> like at the end of Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness, and like th- this is supposed to like it's supposed to retcon Army of Darkness, right? Yeah, yeah. At least like that. I think that's what I remember hearing. That's that sounds right. Either way, he didn't have the book at either at the end of either of those movies. So hmm. I'm wondering where the fuck he even got it. Maybe he went back to the cabin. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's, it is kind of funny that he still has it in his possession after right. all these years. But it, maybe it is just he, he thought he could protect it or something. But um, yeah, it, it, I, I like that they capture the character of. Of Ash, because the character of Ash is basically Bruce Campbell. Right. I mean, he's not really playing a character. It's so funny how Ash has uh, grown throughout the the series. Mm -hmm. Because, like, in the first Evil Dead, he's this reluctant hero. He's kind of a chicken shit the whole movie. Yeah, kind of a dork. And then in Evil 2, he's... Like a little more of a badass, but he's still kind of a dork. Yeah. And then in Army of Darkness, he's just like, you know, I'm the guy with the gun. Yeah. Mr. Badass. And then now in this, he's just this like, you know, old, worn out, but still kind of badass, but still kind of a dork. Right. Uh, yeah. And that, that's a thing. It's like he perfectly captured, recaptured the, the character of Ash, um, but the character of Ash 30 years later. Right. So perfect uh, um, growth of the character, I guess. Because he's still just like, like you said, just a complete, like, essentially worthless, like, yeah. layabout, kind of a scumbag. But and I like when he's when he's telling the story of the Necronomicon, and they just played scenes from the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. Um. And you know he's got like this. What do you say it was? Cherry wood. Uh, and rosewood, I think. Rosewood. Um, now he, uh, he'll go in to a bar and just, he goes into a bar and just starts talking to this chick who has like absolutely no interest in him, but like says that he, he lost it in the war or something. Like no, that. He, he was trying to save a kid from being hit by a train. Right. That's <laughs> what it was. Um, and then offers to buy her a drink. <laughs> it's just funny how that. And he's like, every, every year, time. every year I commemorate him by getting absolutely blackout drunk. <laughs> Care to join me? <laughs> uh, good. And stuff. then he's spanking her with a wooden hand. <laughs> and then, like, I mean, don't want to talk about the details of the episode too much, but like, he's he's banging her, and she turns into a deadite. Yeah, briefly, which is not something you really see in the movies. True. Um, but she turns into a deadite and like says, you know, we're. Or coming for you, or, or something to that yeah, yeah. degree. Uh, and he stops, and she turns back, and she's like, "What?" And he's like, "I gotta go." And, you know, she, he like tries to get out of there, but then she coaxes him back, and yeah. she goes back to it. Uh, no shame. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, it was you know half hour episode, but it, it, it seemed like a full hour. They crammed a lot of stuff into half an hour. It breezed by too. Like yeah. when it was over, I was like, "Oh, wow, okay." Yeah, well, I mean, it, to me, it seemed like seemed like it was on for a full hour. Mm. Not in that uh, it seemed like it was dragging on, but they did so much that it almost it, had, it seemed like it had to have been an hour that I'd been watching this. Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, yeah, so far so good. 
looking yeah. forward to the rest of it. Oh, and I got I, well. We're on the subject of TV. I got some qualms with The Walking Dead. Okay. More so with the people watching The Walking Dead. The fact that everyone is bitching and moaning about you know what, mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, not Kirkman, but uh, who's the, who's the showrunner? Mazzaro, Glenn Mazzaro. It's Nicotero, isn't it? Is he? Glenn Mazzaro was still the showrunner. He's like. A- producer, isn't he? Well, I think it was Glenn Mazzaro anyways. Whatever. Had to come out and like tell people what's going to happen on the show so they would stop freaking out. It did? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. And I'm fucking furious. If you're going to freak out to the point where you have to have the showrunner come tell you what's going to happen, you should stop watching TV. Yeah. You're too invested. Yeah. You don't not really... only do you not know these people, these aren't real people. <laughs> And it's like you don't really fictional characters. You don't really understand the concepts of like building uh, tension and uh, story suspense. Yeah, um, fucking, there's just too many stupid people in this fucking world. I swear to God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> well, should we just uh, do some more business then? Might as well. All right. Starting out with some real world horror. True story. I need to remember to just jump directly into the story and not give you time to do that. Uh, a man in New Mexico uh, bludgeoned his friend to death. I follow him here because he believed he was beginning to change into a zombie. It's a nice segue from our Walking Dead rant. Sure. Twenty-three-year-old uh, Damon Perry beat his friend with a microwave and a guitar. He wasn't fucking around. No, he wanted him dead. <laughs> How do you just beat somebody to death with a fucking microwave? It's not exactly, uh, you know, um, fuck, what's the word? I don't know. Easily swingable? <laughs> sure, let's go with that. Um, I'm, not, like, I'm we- looking at my wieldy. microwave and it's it's what? wieldy. Oh, okay. I'm looking at my microwave, and I'm like, I'm thinking about the past three or four apartments I've lived in, and they all have microwaves that are in the wall. So I'm just picturing this guy ripping his microwave out of the wall. And just... <laughs> um, yeah, that's intense, man. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Perry and his friend had been binge-watching The Walking Dead. Um, and doing bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was something else involved with this, because you don't just lose your fucking mind yeah. and think your friend's turning into a zombie. Exactly. Was he recently in Ireland? <laughs> um, officers responded to the calls to Perry of, of Perry, threatening the neighbors with a knife. Uh, Again, more going on here. <laughs> so he, he bludgeoned his friend to death with a microwave and a guitar and then ran around with a knife threatening people? Yeah, because he thought his friend was turning into an imaginary thing. Did he think his neighbors were too? Like, why was he threatening them with the knife? I mean, why not use the knife on the friend? Why, why bludgeon him with a fucking microwave? Oh, it's on me! Yeah, Perry, uh, they found him. They found Perry's friend later in the apartment, or nearby apartment, not even their apartment. So he took him somewhere? 
Well, I don't know who's. It doesn't say they were roommates, so it could have been Perry's or the friend's apartment. Maybe I don't know, but this is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when Woody Harrelson attacked uh, the the um. Oh God! What's the word? Not the Illuminati. <laughs> Paparazzi. Paparazzi. Thank you. <laughs> and said that he was still like coming down from making Zombieland, and that he like thought they were zombies. Yeah. It's like may- I think you're coming down from something else, buddy. <laughs> Fucking Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Fucking Damon Perry. Crazy ass people, man. So in our second real world horror story, a man in Hoppage, Hopage, Hodgepodge, Hopage, Hopogay, New York, uh, he claims that the Dead of Night haunted attraction stole his soul and he is willing to get litigious in order to get it back. Well... Okay. Uh, from what I understand, the Dead of Night haunted attraction is kind of a, a rotating theme every year. Uh huh. And last year their theme was initiation, and it was intended to replicate initiation into a satanic cult. When you first walk in, you are greeted by Lou Siffer. Ah, uh, get it? I get it. Who has like you sign a contract devil. for your soul? Now here's the thing. It's not a real legally binding contract, and this is not actually the devil. It's a guy in a suit. I just imagine this guy like like the uh, guy from uh, like Hocus Pocus just wearing like a red spandex suit and some red <laughs> plastic horns. Like Ned Flanders. Yeah. <laughs> just carrying a pitchfork. Um, and here's the thing. The Night of Dead writer who just goes by PH, spoke to this man. Oh, what a douchebag. And he says, I spoke with this person more than once. I felt for him. Genuinely, I did. He was kind, fun to talk to, insightful, and I always made time for him. I had this guilt in me for whatever reason. I know it sounds weird, but I cared. Still do. I never thought in a million years that someone would take that to a level of seriousness, but he couldn't help how he felt, I guess. I assured him more than once that it was just a show, an adult show, oh, right, with a lot of subtext. Now we're talking. But I couldn't change his mind. No one had to sign anything. No one was forced to do anything. Um, yeah. Needless to say, no lawyer has taken this case. Go figure. <laughs> uh, and Dead of Night, oh, I guess this was 2014. So yeah, I guess I'd say last year. But their 2015 attraction uh, was, I assume at this point, called MK Ultra and was an 18 and over sci-fi horror attraction based on governmental mind control. Ooh. I'm going to guess this guy didn't go back. Probably not. He probably didn't want the government to steal his soul or his mind. Right. He doesn't have a soul anymore to steal. Right, just his mind. Right. Yeah. Lou Lucifer took that. <laughs> uh, just fucking weird people. <laughs> Once again, fictional characters. <laughs> yeah, it's like how screwed up must you be to not understand these things? I mean, it's, they're not hard concepts. They're really not. I- imagination. I mean, imagination. <laughs> not real. 
it's not difficult to conceive of or understand unless you've got some like serious fucking mental problems in which case these people should probably be away you know somewhere safe right for them padded walls yeah it's, unless like he's a fucking bible thumper or something but it didn't sound like it from ph's description not really no i think this guy's just like are just mentally disturbed and Already got something wrong with him, and this yeah. is probably not helpful. <laughs> That's the way it sounds. Um, so, yeah, if you take things way too seriously, just maybe just don't go to haunted attractions. Yeah. Or watch movies or TV or do anything. Just sit at home in the dark. It's <laughs> a good start. Gordon, or Dracula, or Zer- Zerg from Fifth Element. Is that his name, Zerg? I don't know. Isn't he something in Harry Potter? I don't fucking know. Sirius Black. I think his name is Sirius Black. That's not a name. That's no. that's. Those are two just two <laughs> words. That, that, that that's the, a new Crayola is what that is. <laughs> You have yeah. the black, regular black, or serious black. <laughs> uh, but Gary Oldman, I'm sure you know him from one or more of those roles, uh, is co-writing a vampire novel called Blood Riders. Uh, he's doing it with his manager Douglas Urbanski. Uh, it's about a mysterious man fleeing a curse at a town with the gold that the gold left, gold rush left behind. Uh, it's set in the old west. Uh, it's said to uh, reinvent the rules and realities of vampires and sex and the power of love. That's the power of love. Is Huey Lewis involved? Yes. Then, then I'm more interested. <laughs> Huey Lewis is going to do the soundtrack for the movie. So, it's, so now we're saying it's already going to be optioned as a movie. Yes. <laughs> Starring Huey Lewis. And not Gary Oldman. <laughs> no. Um... Yeah, it's going to hit the shelves in the spring of 2016. Um, okay, I haven't really known Gary Oldman for his writing skills. No, not really. Uh, I can't even think of like maybe a movie a movie that he wrote. Or I don't know of any off the top of my head. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe. I feel like I'd be willing to give it a give it a read. Maybe do a test chapter or something if I can get a free sample. Yeah, maybe. Or, you know, if I can borrow it from someone. Odds yeah. are not likely for that, but you know, I've been more into audiobooks lately. Anyway, maybe you could go to audacity dot com slash graveplot podcast and get a free audiobook. Hey, I can't do that. Just set up a fake email. That's so much work. <laughs> Gotta give him a credit card and all that. Uh, anyway, so yeah, if that sounds interesting to you. A vampire movie set in the old west. Uh, look for that in spring. So this is fucking cool. This is pretty awesome. 
uh, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, which you would know as the hotel that inspired the Overlook in The Shining, is looking to open a horror museum. Uh, Badass. The the Stanley Hotel has really embraced The Shining since it came out. Uh, they they play the movie on loop in every room, and they've recently commissioned a replica hedge maze, which is pretty badass in itself. That's pretty sweet. You know, I've, I've mentioned before I just finished, well, listening to The Shining. Mm-hmm. There's no hedge maze. In the book? No. At all? Nope. Interesting. There are animal hedges that come to life. But no hedge maze. Huh. Well, I'll be goddamned. Oh, I'll be goddamned. Um, the Stanley Hotel is looking to get $11.5 million grant to open the world's first horror museum, as well as a film archive and production studio. Is this a? Is this the first horror museum? There's got to be another horror museum somewhere. I mean, wouldn't like Count Orlocks in Salem be considered a horror museum? That's a wax museum, I guess. But, I mean... I don't know. It just depends on what your definition of horror museum is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Don't um, the center, which boasts a founding board, including George Romero, Elijah Wood, and Simon Pegg, will feature multiple indoor and outdoor entertainment venues, including a 500-seat auditorium, a 30,000-square-foot interactive museum and discovery center, featuring rotating exhibits such as The Walking Dead, a 3,000-square-foot soundstage, classrooms and workshop spaces, and cutting-edge post-production and editing suites. So we're kind of just abandoning the whole hotel thing. Yeah, like how much land do they own around the... Well... I don't think that the description of the Overlook in The Shining was much of an exaggeration. I think that there is pretty much nothing out there. No, yeah. Uh, So, I mean, you've got all this just open mountainous land around you. I know we're planning to visit there um, sometime, hopefully. Like, we were talking about next October because my girlfriend's sister lives in Boulder Park or something, Colorado. Oh, okay. So we're going to go visit her, and then we're going to go. It's it's like two hours away, but going to go visit. I guess they do like a murder mystery thing in October, too. So Nice. Yeah. Uh, center board member Elijah Wood says, I would love to have a home for which we could constantly come year-round and celebrate with other fans from around the world. There's really no better place for there to be a permanent home for the celebration of horror as an art form than the Stanley Hotel. It was practically built for it. Elijah Wood is a little wiener-looking guy, but he fucking loves horror. Yeah, and God bless him, you know. And I will say SpectreVision has been putting out some good stuff. I have not watched anything but Cooties, but I intend to watch other things. I am very interested in the Greasy Strangler. Have we talked about that before? I think so. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't really remember anything about it. Greasy Strangler. What a name. name. Yeah. Um, Stanley Hotel owner John Cullen says, At 109 years old, the story of the Stanley Hotel is just beginning. The Stanley Film Center is my chance to give back to the millions of horror fans around the world who have supported Estes Park and the hotel for so many years. All right. So as we said, fucking cool. Yeah. It was fucking badass. I... If if they don't get the grant, I'm going to go burn it down. Then it'd be like the real Overlook. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the real Overlook. 
the fictional overlook. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like no, I'm to- not going to burn down the overlook. That's come on, pull your head out of your ass. <laughs> I'll go burn down whoever they asked for the grant that denied them. Oh yeah, burn their house down. Yeah, bitches. Uh, yeah, it'd be cool to go to this. I don't really have much cause to go to Colorado. I mean, I have an aunt that lives there, but she lives in Denver. I don't think that's anywhere near it. I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think it'd be a hard sell to my wife too. I don't, I don't think she'd care. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got the excuse. So yeah. Here's a bummer. Uh, Neil Blomkamp has apparently left the Alien sequel. Uh, his Twitter account said, Alien is kind of holding slash pending Prometheus 2. Um, so I shall be working on other things. As much as I love the Xeno and Lieutenant Ripley. Uh, the film is on hold indefinitely awaiting Alien Paradise Lost, which is also known as Prometheus 2. Um, which is set to be the first of three Prometheus sequels. So it's going to be on hold for a while, it sounds like. Yeah, and nobody gives a fuck about Prometheus. Prometheus sucked. I never saw it. It's not good. I really didn't care to. No, it, it's it's dumb. Anybody, anybody that said that Prometheus was good is lying to themselves. Anthony. <laughs> um, and I've, you know, I've watched it a couple times because it's a long fucking movie. It's hard to sit through. But I watched it a couple times, and it's like both times. Like, what the fuck is this? Just make another Alien movie. Let James Cameron do it. Because... Well, then they're slapping the Alien name onto the second one. Yeah, and that's weird because I know Ridley Scott said that this is going to be a completely separate story from Alien. But now it no, it's like not. He's, yeah, backpedaling on that. Um. I'm sure it was a studio decision to make more money. Probably. But I don't know. I don't personally I don't think Ridley Scott should be involved with this because Aliens was better than Alien. <laughs> uh, and Prometheus sucked. So and that may be an unpopular view, but I don't care. Like I said I haven't seen it, so I can't I can't voice an opinion on this one. But I, I know that Aliens is pretty much regarded as better than Alien. You think? Uh, yeah. Whenever I see a list of, like, the rare sequel that's better than the original, Aliens is always on there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree. I know there's a lot of people that would disagree, though. Yeah, well, people are dumb. Yeah. They don't know any better. It's just, I think it's mainly just this frame of mind where it's like, oh, it's the original, so it's better. It's like, no, that's not true. There's often times where that is far from true. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if I'd say often, but. Okay, sure. Irregardless. You fucker. <laughs> um, yeah, they should just not do Prometheus and just do Alien because nobody cares. Hot take. Hot take. 
So the genius known as Mike Doherty <laughs> recently sat down with Cinema Blend and offered some, uh, some schooling, some tidbits. I know what a bit is, but what's a tid? Tid, tid, tid. Uh, it is a rare fruit. What? Really? <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Trick or treat, too. That's what he was talking about. Hey. He said, I'm just really against filling in too much information about your horror icons. I always find that they get less scary the more you know about them. So we won't be diving too deep into Sam's origin. That will always remain shrouded in mystery. Like I said, genius. Yeah. Fucking Sean Cunningham could take a lesson from this. Yeah. Or Rob Zombie. Or Rob Zombie. Well, I didn't have a problem with that, honestly. I mean, I I know that's another controversy. Hot take. Yeah, hot take. Um, I, I think I've been vocal before saying that I prefer the new Halloween over the original. But, and you know, a lot of people bitch, like, Say, oh well, it's better just to know that, or to think that Michael Myers was just a psycho. It's like, well, no. <laughs> it's it's nice to know a little bit of the backstory because he was fucked up. Sure, they've kind of put it more of a face to him, and maybe that was a little bit off-putting. Um, but just to see a kid sitting on a front porch and just murdered his family. That gives me nothing. I like to know a little bit. <laughs> Not everything, but a little bit. All right. Maybe, you know, that's just me. That is just you. <laughs> uh, Doherty continued, I feel like the first film really just scratched the surface in terms of exploring what really goes on in the shadows of Halloween. For me, the first film is really just introducing audiences to the notion that, yes, strange, creepy, magical things do happen on Halloween, and here's a peek behind the curtain. And so, with the next film, we do want to peek behind the curtain more into asking why. Why? I don't get it. They're going to ask why. Why do creepy, magical things happen? But isn't that kind of contrary to what he just said? Well, no, because the first thing was more about Sam specifically. Okay. Uh, In discussing the recent graphic novel, Trick or Treat, Days of the Dead, he said, I think the book is very different in terms of the structure. The book hops around... (laughs) <laughs> right. For starters. I kept putting it in my DVD player and it wouldn't fucking work. What the fuck? The book hops around between time periods, but that's just so we could really fill in a little bit of backstory about how far back things go. The next film will be closer to the first film in terms of its structure and setting. That's good. I always felt like the the way that they presented the first movie always worked well. Yeah? Uh, so, I mean, it just... It, I mean, that's... Part of why I think you, part of why I and I'm pretty sure you uh, hold it in such high regard is because the whole thing just f- flowed like water. It all fit well together. Well, yeah, I mean, like perfect. we talked about in our Tales of Halloween review, you know, when you have one director, one writer overseeing this whole thing, he can easily make it flow from one story to the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tales of Halloween, you had all these different writers, all these different directors, and it was just kind of like chopped up. And then you almost almost had to shoehorn different characters in just to make it just be like, no, see, it's all the same. Yeah. And that was the thing about Trick or Treat is that it didn't... It's seamless. Yeah. And it's and it nice because it has, it has all these separate stories that you could follow very easily, except 
as opposed to Tales of Halloween, where it was this story starts here and ends here. It all was interwoven. Well, yeah, and it wasn't like this story end or begins, this story ends. New stories begins, new story ends. It was like you would see part of one story and part of another story, and then go back to the first story, and then do a third story. And yeah, and it was, it was like all these these threads were just like like braided together, right? Um, Not to badmouth Tales of Halloween. I think we both enjoyed it, but it's it's, yeah. it's a different feel. Yeah, it's I, – I have no problem saying that Tales of Halloween was maybe a little more clunky. I would agree. Um, but yeah, Trick or Treat was just brilliantly done. Yeah, so if they were to like try and do like they did in the book where it jumps from time period to time period, I don't think it would be as successful because I think then you would have this feeling of this – this is one story, this is two stories, where you're just watching four different stories that happen to be all together in one movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say it necessarily has to be uh, in modern day. Like, if they wanted to do four... How many How many stories did you see in the first one? Like Four. Yeah. Four? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you wanted to do four stories back in the 50s or 60s or whatever... That's fine. Sure, yeah. I just, I just don't think it would be successful together. jumping from one timeline to another right, right. throughout the movie. Yeah, so. So, yeah. Um, still no kind of release date or even start date, but um, definitely looking forward to it. Things are happening. <laughs> I think we can look forward to this next Halloween. I think. Fingers crossed. Because it doesn't take a whole fucking year to write and make a movie. They're going to have to recast Sam, though. Kid in a mask. Well, right, but I mean, Quinn Lord is like seventeen now. Right. Or they could try to use him again. That'd be weird. Have walk around on his knees, <laughs> or just have a teenage Sam. <laughs> in his uh, angsty adolescence, <laughs> wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in stories that I don't believe, um, <laughs> apparently it's going to start filming next summer. What? It. Oh, that. It. That. Pronoun. That movie, It. Uh, new director, Andy Muschietti. Muschietti. Uh, told Variety that Will Poulter, uh, would be a great option. Um, he said, uh, that he's at the top of the list. Um. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah. Are they gonna have to give him more money or something? Like, I don't. Well, it's like he a, was attached. So is is he not now? I, well, I mean, you know, new director, he kind of gets his choice of his lead. lead well, yeah, man, but he I says guess. Will Poulter's at the top of the list. Yeah. So I mean, unless he's not at the top of the list, then this. this or unless Will Poulter doesn't want to do it without Fukunaga. Maybe. Um. But, yeah, this is still a bad idea. Nothing's changed as far as that. Uh, he said, King described 50s a terror iconic, iconography. 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 That's a new word to me. Um, and I feel there's a whole world to... God damn it. And I feel there's a whole world now to rediscover, uh, to update. No. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, there won't be mummies, werewolves, 
Because, you know, there was all those mummies and werewolves in the original. There it. was both. In the movie? Pennywise took the form of a werewolf and a mummy. In the movie? I remember the werewolf. No, in the book. Oh, no. oh I do. Okay, yeah, I do remember that. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and actually, yeah, he did do a werewolf in the I, I do. Movie. I definitely remember the mummy, which I think is when he scared Seth Green. That was a werewolf. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I do remember a mummy. I don't. But it wasn't like a wrapped up mummy. It was just. Yeah. Actually, I guess to say it was an actual. Well, no. Maybe there was a mummy. I'm pretty I, sure I, there was. I'm, I'm remembering. I mean, from the book, strictly, uh, there was a, a leper. That he took the form of, uh, and he was all wrapped up. But you know, he's rotting. Mm. And, you know, things falling off on the man. Um, but um, there may have been a mummy as well. I, I can't recall. But uh, well, all that gone. <laughs> Fuck uh, source material. Terrors are going to be a lot more surprising. Uh, yeah, I'll bet because you know you're not going to be following the book. Right. Yeah. If you don't follow the source material, then anything can be surprising. Yeah. Uh, don't. Update books. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to think of a little more, you know, uh, oh God, why is my brain not working today? Me no thinky good. <sighs> trying to think of a more clever way to say that. Um, but that's it. Just, just don't update books. Just stick to the fucking source material. Yeah. Uh, that was what irritated me about Fukunaga is that he said that he updated it uh, using like experiences that he and his friends had in their childhood. It's like no, nobody gives a fuck what you experienced in your childhood. I want to know about in that case, write your own fucking movie. Yeah, I want to know about Bill and Richie and Eddie and Mike. Beep beep, Richie. Yeah. Uh, I don't give a shit about what happened in your kid, uh, childhood, and I know that if I'm watching that movie and I see something that didn't happen in the book, then I'm going to know that that's some bullshit that you put in. So it's just infuriating. Uh, and, you know, the, the one unfortunate thing about this is that the book takes place in the 50s and the 80s. Now you can maintain that. You can say it's going to take place in the 50s and then again in the 80s. No, they won't. No, they won't. But It'll I'm, be present day and... The 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Or early 90s. Because that's such a cool time. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God. We're getting to that point, aren't we? Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, um, we used to listen to grunge and... Wear a lot of flannel. Yeah, there's probably going to be a lot of Nirvana. Yes, we're from Seattle. <laughs> there's going to be probably going to be a lot of Nirvana and Bush and Ace of Base. It's a random trio. That was what was popular. <laughs> I feel like the third one was just like, you took a left turn there. Well, they could put throw in like Green Day and Offspring. Yeah. That's pretty much all, it was, all there was. Seal. <laughs> 90s was good for cartoons. Most most everything else in the 90s was just awful. Yeah. 90s was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good... Uh... Nope. Not, not <laughs> nope. <laughs> Never mind. I retract my half statement. Um, 
No. This is still going to be stupid. Uh, and it's really disappointing. Uh, interesting side note. I started uh, listening to a new Stephen King book, uh, 11-22-63, mm. uh, which is a book about a guy that goes back in time to stop the Kennedy assassination. But um, he also makes a stop in Derry, Maine in 1958. A word? Yeah. And he actually, like, as I was driving up to your place, I was listening to it, and uh, the character just encountered Richie and Beverly. Oh, they're actually in it? Yeah. Uh, it's funny because he gets into town. Um, I mean, I, I won't go into explaining this book in too much depth, but basically there's this time portal in the back of a pantry of a restaurant. Interesting location, I know. Uh, every time he goes back through it, um, it takes him to the exact day and time. They're the exact same day and time. It's always like, uh, was it like September something or other at 11.58 a.m. every single time. And no matter how much time he spends in the past, when he comes back, it's two minutes later. Always. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so he goes back and he travels to, to Derry because he's, he's in another town in Maine. He travels to Derry. Uh, and um, when he's there, if you remember the dates in the in the book it uh he's there like right after the events in the in 1958 um and so the whole town of Derry is just really quiet and everybody's upset and really wary of uh strangers you know so it, it, it's, a, it's a nice little tie-in so. and you know they're making a miniseries of that right 11 mm-hmm. i did not it's gonna be on hulu really yeah Interesting. And it's going to star James Franco. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not. <sighs> that makes me sad. <laughs> Sorry. You just ruined my fucking day. So, speaking of uh, clunky anthologies, Mick Garris is making a new horror anthology called Nightmare Cinema, which will begin shooting in early 2016. It's going to be a collection of five stories from five esteemed horror filmmakers, which Garris just recently announced. Uh, One of them will be Joe Dante, who, of course, did The Howling and Gremlins and uh, Burying the X, which we recently reviewed on the show. Yes, we did review that recently. Uh, Ryu, Ryui Kitamura from Japan, the director of Midnight Meat Train, starring Vinnie Jones. And B-Coops. <laughs> B-Coops? That's what we call him. Wait, he was in that? Yeah. That was Who? like one of like his first like big roles. Who was the girl in that? Leslie Bibb. That's right. Uh, David Slade, who I guess... Oh, probably the movie The Hannibal. The movie The Hannibal... <laughs> You know, you know that movie, the Hannibal, <laughs> the movie Hannibal. As well, Wait, there as- wasn't a movie Hannibal. Yes, there was. There's Hannibal Rising. Pretty sure there was one just called Hannibal. I think it was before Hannibal Rising. Signs of the Lambs. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. It was the one where he wore the fedora. 
Oh, that one. <laughs> Uh, and Cuban director Alejandro Brugues, who directed One of the Dead. Still haven't watched that, have you? No. I've heard it's good. I have not heard anything, really. I I, I won't go, I won't be as bold to say that it rivals Shaun of the Dead, but I've heard suggestions of that. That's madness. No, I, I don't believe it, but if people are saying that, then it could be good. Uh, these directors will be directing scripts from Richard Christian Matheson, Mexican author Sandra Becerril, David Slade, and Mick Garris. Hey! So, that's probably going to be another one of those anthologies that's just a bunch of different stories that don't really tie in, and it's going to make you feel like you binge-watched a TV show. <laughs> that's what most anthologies are. I mean... The- Anthologies don't necessarily have to weave together like that. They're just better if they do. They do. Yeah. Well, sure. That's that's something that I can't really think was like a thing before Trick or Treat. Uh, I mean, like think of like um, like uh, Creep Show. You know, aside from the the wraparound story. There's nothing connecting those. That's true. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, okay, on to remains. Um, several genre shows are getting new seasons. Shouldn't come to any surprise on anyone. Uh, Walking Dead will be season seven. From Dust Till Dawn will be season three. And already, Ash vs. Evil Dead getting season two. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Of course, I mean, why not? This was it's Star's name alone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so look forward to those. I will. Those guys. Uh, I also look forward to seeing Jennifer Jason Lee on Twin Peaks. She has recently joined the cast in a, as of yet, unnamed role. I feel like a lot of people are just these unnamed roles. I feel like there's too many people now. Yeah. It's, that's what made, that's what made Twin Peaks work is like there's a central cast and, you know, each person has their quirks and they weren't just constantly introducing new people right um and i feel like that's kind of what they're going to be doing in this new season so i don't know i'm a little skeptical me too which i don't want to be no me neither uh i am skeptical i don't like these tie like these No idea where you're What's going. What's happening to me today? <laughs> uh, so apparently, uh, the crow is still a thing that people are making happen to us. <laughs> uh, uh, Corin Hardy is still attached to it. Um, he said it's waiting to get restarted, uh, and I'm waiting to restart. Yeah, that's what he said. For- okay. <laughs> He said, it's waiting to get restarted, and I'm waiting to restart it. Uh, And continue work we were doing. Redundancy department of redundancy. (laughs) Uh, We were deep into it. So deep. So deep. Uh, (laughs) I do that to my girlfriend, and she hates it. Actually, it's more like... (laughs) During sex? No, just in general. (laughs) Um, I don't want her to stop. 
My wife doesn't like it when I slap her ass. <laughs> I don't do it ever, ever do it to be sexy. I just do it to... Wait, are we talking during sex or just in general? During sex. Oh. I just slap her ass and she just stops and stares at me. Because <laughs> she knows I'm joking. <laughs> no, I, do, I make that noise because, like, it's... It's me pretending to be trying to be sexy. <laughs> and she hates it so much. So now I just do it to piss her off. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he says we were deep into it until the past summer when the whole relatively relativity issue occurred. I was looking forward to making it, and he was the only one. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, fans are still in an outrage about this. And they have no crow. <laughs> And they probably won't. Corn Hardy is going to play the crow because he's the only one involved anymore. <laughs> I'm, he actually went to like a film festival or something in, in crow paint. Are you serious? Yeah. What a fucking creep. <laughs> uh, I think I was reading earlier that uh, they have until like March to start shooting. That sounds right. So good luck, guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I have to read this? Yep. You put it on here. You suffer. <laughs> Sifi has ordered a new Van Helsing TV show. Okay. That's fine. Uh, in this new interpretation. Wait, is it fine, though? Hang on. <laughs> that part is fine. Is it? Uh, in this new interpretation, the central character is the next in a lineage of warriors who must lead mankind against a world controlled by vampires. Okay, that's that's fine. Uh, come to find out, this warrior is Abraham Van Helsing's offspring, his his descendant. I don't know how many years we're going, but she's a female. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, like building up to the worst part. Her name is... Vanessa Helsing. Uh, uh, that's not fine. I'm going to put... That's stupid. When I'm editing, I'm going to put a toilet flushing sound right here. Shouldn't her name be Vanessa Van Helsing? One would think, or, you know, not Vanessa. <laughs> maybe. Van Van? Call maybe. her Van Van for short? <laughs> so stupid. His name was not... Abraham Helsing. No. His name our name was not Van Helsing. Yeah, his middle name was not Van. <laughs> right. God damn it. Stupid fucking assholes at sci-fi. I swear to Christ. It's not like Ludwig Van Beethoven. Except that it is That's exactly exactly like the same. <laughs> uh it's not like Camper Van Beethoven. <laughs> sure. Um no, god damn it. This is so fucking dumbed down for idiot people that have never read Dracula. Yeah. Uh, when Vanessa is resurrected five years in the future. What? what? Resurrected? What? What happened here? What? What's going on? <laughs> I'm so confused. When did she die? I, what happened? What the fuck? Yeah. Um, I don't know. And res... Um, anyways, God. so... Apparently she dies and is resurrected five years later and learns that vampires have taken over the world and she possesses unique power over them. What? No, she doesn't. Ugh! I hate this. At no point did Van Helsing have powers other than just being like a badass. He was a doctor. 
Yeah. That's what he was. And he was, he was, he like, he had an adamantium skeleton. No. No. <laughs> no, that didn't. Oh, I swear, I saw there was one movie where Van Helsing had a, an adamantium skeleton. It was actually like four movies. No, oh, no, that didn't happen. No? no it's the same guy. <laughs> uh, uh, she is essentially humanity's last hope to lead an offensive to take back what has been lost, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the man so, responsible for this garbage is Neil Labute, and he's going to be the showrunner because nobody else would. So you can blame him. So expect a really dumb story and a lot of bad CGI. God. Because it's sci-fi. People just have no shame. Just They'll just destroy the legacy of classical literature. Yeah. Without any issue. It's like somebody, and this is probably the most <clears throat> impressive thing, is that somebody at some point said, oh, yeah, this will be a good idea. <laughs> That's true. Can you b- fucking believe that? Did you say butt fucking? Can you butt fucking believe that? Can you butt fucking believe this? <laughs> Um. Wow. So yeah, that's that's it. That's all we got. I'm not talking about that anymore. No. So uh, we didn't do an interview because we're fucking tired. Yeah, we did a lot. October almost took a lot out of us. Yeah, we need to ease back into things here. Yep. So like um, a warm bath. Or yeah, or a warm vagina. Or that. You know, when you're sitting into a warm bath, but you don't want to do it too quickly because you might burn your balls. <laughs> Right. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> you know. Can we can we go to the reviews now? It's review time, Taylor. Yay! What do you like want we need to... a soundbite of a bunch of little kids saying "Yay!" right there, like from the Howdy Doody show or something. Yeah. Uh, Duty. <laughs> uh, what do you want to do first? Uh, let's do Crimson Peak. Okay. Ghosts are real. This much I know. What do you mean by? Take a little walk to the edge of town. Edith, this is my sister. There are parts of the house that are unsafe. I can imagine the two of you in here as children. We were not allowed in here as children. We were confined to the nursery in the attic. In your own best interest, proceed with caution. Has anyone died in this house? Specific deaths, violent deaths. I have to leave. I'm here to take you away. There's nowhere else to go. This is your home now. Beware of Crimson Peak. All right, so Crimson Peak, brand new movie, just came out. 
Uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro. You fucking cocksucker. <laughs> um, who is highly regarded as a brilliant director. Uh, I haven't been all that much into his work. I was going to get into this later. Okay. Do you want to save it or talk about it now? We can talk about it now. Okay. It does kind of spoil my review a little bit. Um, I think he's a fabulous director. I think all his movies are absolutely incredibly gorgeous. I don't think he's a very good writer. I think most of his movies are boring. That is a fair assessment. I think I think I share the sentiment. Um, my wife and I... Damn, I thought I had a hot take. <laughs> well, I think we're both in that boat with you know lots of people on other boats. <laughs> They're all going the wrong way. Um, we're but, going to Hawaii. They're going to Cuba. Um, Suckers. Stupid Cuba. I don't mean to offend you. <laughs> Um, no, um, my wife and I were talking about that when we got out of the movie. My wife. <laughs> my wife is nice. Fuck you, who goes there? <laughs> Stealing our bit. <laughs> that we stole. <laughs> we made it funny again. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, we were talking about that when we got out of the movie. Um, that he likes really... This isn't going to make sense. But he likes bright colors contrasted with really dark colors. Yeah. So I've noticed. <clears throat> this movie. Very vibrant. Yeah. Very, like th- this movie in particular, very bright reds and blues. I mean, if you've seen the, the what? I made a weird noise in my headphones. Did it? Yeah, oh. it sounded like a bloop. Oh, like, yeah, this, the, the ear on this one always vibrates. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, like, it, it, like something's rattling in it. Oh. It's kind of annoying. Um, but, yeah, like, very bright reds and blues in this. Um, yeah. Lots of crimson. Ah! <laughs> the, the titular crimson. <laughs> um, anyway, so the movie uh, is about uh, Edith, who, uh, played by Mia... The Wazamahukawa. Wachowski. Wachowski Burger. Wachowski. Is she one of the Wachowskis? I don't think she's one of the Wachowskis, no. <laughs> no, it's uh, Wachowski. Iwo Jemaya. <laughs> no, it's uh, Mia Wasakasa. <laughs> you have to say it like that. Wasakasa. Um, she's a young girl in... America. Yep. <laughs> Didn't... We weren't really specific on when it took place. No, it, it seemed, time seemed Victorian era. Yeah. It did say something about 1880s. Yeah, it was definitely I, like, I got the sense that wasn't like the current time that was... Right. So maybe like late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, I'm thinking late 19th century, early 20th century, yeah. somewhere in there. Uh, like very early 20th century. Like the only real thing you have to go on is the fact that one character just recently got a brand new car. <laughs> Um, and that was like a big thing, and the clothing to to an extent, clothing yeah. too. Um, but you know that that style lasted for so long. True, hard hard to narrow it down, even to like a decade, really. Um, so she is a clerk, I guess, working for her father, played by Jim Beaver, the Beave, uh, who you would also know as Bobby on Supernatural. 
Bobby. Um, That's Howie Mandel. Yep. Uh, he's a... What is he? He's just a tycoon of some sort. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. He seems to just kind of be a... Uh, Guy with money. <laughs> yeah, an investor. Yeah. Um, no, he made it very clear to say that you know he, he made his way up from the... You know, from the, from the bottom to, to being in the position he is now, um, and yeah, some kind of he's guy. a he's a full on rapist. Yep, <laughs> um, and he's presented with a proposal from Loki, right? Uh, to mine, like it's 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 a a contraption that he's developed that will actually mine. Was it? It's clay. Yeah. From his property in England, um, and the fact that he is not a working man does not impress these this board of investors that he's proposing to. Uh, so they specifically kind of, the beef, right? The, the beef, beef is not impressed. Beef is not impressed, um, and turns him away. But he still kind of hangs out for whatever fucking reason, um, and. That's when... Well, he, he stays to try and convince the beef. Okay, yeah. but also, He's not, he's not going to go gently into that good night. Right. I uh, also see that he has kind of like ulterior, ulterior motives um, <clears throat> with uh, Edith. Like he's trying to make his moves on her. And he's got a very strange relationship with his sister, uh, played by Jessica Chastain. Uh, Lucille was her name, um, and eventually, like, eventually, uh, Edith ends up marrying Thomas or you know, Loki, um, and moving to their property or his property in England. Um, it's this old, dilapidated mansion, or, you know, yeah. manor. It's a convertible. But they keep the top down, <laughs> right? Um, and it snows inside all the fucking time. Yeah, which could be cool. Uh, For like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, God damn it, it's fucking cold in this house. But the house in general is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, they show that, that uh, you know, main, like, foyer area with the, you know, the, the grand staircase, mm-hmm. big open area. It's like, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, as long as there wasn't snow coming through the roof. And it wasn't sinking. Right. And that was another thing. Like, you know, they get to this place and Thomas is telling Edith that it's like, oh, yeah, this house looks awesome, but it kind of sucks, actually. Yeah. It's like as soon as she moves in, he's like, yeah, this place is basically a death trap. Yeah. He pulled <laughs> the old bait and switch is what it was. Yeah. Um, the the house is sinking because there are there's a mine or a clay mine underneath the house, like underneath the entire property. There's a clay mine and it's this like creepy, bright red clay dust or dust, um, but clay, it's like liquid clay. Yeah. Um, and the most fucked up thing about it is he drops the name, uh, Crimson Peak, uh, you know, describing the house or, you know, the, the, the property, I guess. Uh, and he explains it. He says because the uh, the clay will seep up through the ground when the when it snows and stain the snow red. 
like blood red. Yeah. And both my wife and I turned to each other and she's like, nope. <laughs> That's when we get the fuck out because snow is not supposed to be blood red. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> okay. That's a weird thing to just be like, nope, nope, fuck that. How do you wake up to fucking blood in your yard? It's not real blood. It looks like blood. And uh, so Edith is haunted by these ghosts. One in her childhood, which is actually her mother, mm-hmm. who just recently passed away. And, you know, she's, what, seven, eight years old? Yeah, probably. Um, and her mother's ghost comes to her, and she's recently dead, but she looks really fucked up. She looks like she's made of tar. Yeah, but she's smoking. Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird thing about these ghosts is they all have, like, this this same colored aura, like, floating like around them. Like coming off them. Ectogism. <laughs> yes. Endosperm. <laughs> yes, endosperm. <laughs> Fucking Sam was here. I was trying to remember that word for like a week. and then I can't believe when I was carving pumpkins, I didn't make a single endosperm reference. <laughs> but it just, I should have like, just flicked my endosperm at my girlfriend. <laughs> just slinging ropes. <laughs> Throwing yogurt ropes. <laughs> um, so... Her mother leans down to her and says, "Beware of crimson." Beware the crimson book. Yeah, and she's Papa just, Duke, Duke, Duke. <laughs> and she's just like, "Oh, mom," <laughs> and uh, never hears from her again. Then she arrives at this place uh, called Crimson Peak, and. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um. And that's like when he says Crimson Peak, it, you can see a light s- switch on, you know. Um, and that's when she first realizes, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be here. Yeah, something is wrong. Uh, and uh, Lucille, she's a real bitch. Oh, yeah. She's like, cold as fuck. Yeah, from like beginning to end, she's just a colossal pain in the ass and just rude to everyone. <laughs> yeah, um, but especially Edith. Yeah, she just she does not like Edith. Um, but it's very clear throughout the movie, like like almost right off the bat. So it's not really a spoiler to say is that it's very clear that she has some kind of plan that she's kind of the puppet master behind, and Thomas is involved in it. Um, it involves Edith and her father. And you don't really know exactly what they're looking for right off the bat, but you know that there's something sinister afoot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, then the Beeve hires a young Willem Dafoe as a personal, like, private detective, <clears throat> and he he finds something, but they don't really say what it is at that time. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I kept it like was freaking me out because I was, I thought I was supposed to realize what it was. Yeah, because they showed it. Yeah, but it, they showed it was this, like, like a weird angle, so you couldn't really read it or anything. Yeah. He says yeah, you know, because of this piece of paper. Yeah, um, but yeah, he couldn't read it, so it's just like, oh shit, I didn't see it. Put it back. <laughs> Rewind it. Projector man. <laughs> um, did that guy look like a young Willem Dafoe though? Yeah, he does. He's creepy <clears throat> as fuck. He yeah. was on a he was on a show. It was a, a Doctor Who spinoff called Torchwood. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he was, was in Dark Knight Rises. That's right. Yeah, he was. 
Um, yeah, his mouth is too big for his head. Yeah, he's just got weird features. Yeah, it's it's really. And he's hard. got like a perfectly round face. Yeah, like his face is like a circle. Well, it's like it's like his head is a circle, but his face is really sharp. Yeah, <laughs> and then his mouth is too big for his face. Yeah, he looks evil. Yeah, like he a like, fr- like, like a frog from Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> Mr. Bighead. <laughs> yeah. Like how his mouth would stick out from his face. It's like that. <laughs> like if you stood behind him, you would be able to see his lips on either side of his head. <laughs> um, yeah, so Edith kind of, she's not a dumb girl. Um, she's an aspiring writer. So, yeah, Edith, she's starting to suspect things. Uh, are wrong. She's not really sure what. Um, and she kind of starts doing her own little investigations. And, you know, Thomas is becoming more, like, increasingly more and more um, odd himself. Um, and now she keeps trying to bang, too. And he's like, no, no, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, there was a thing, like, uh, God, Jud- Judith? Lucille? Lucille. I'm going to remember her name eventually. Just think of the mom from Arrested Development. <laughs> Lucille! <laughs> Lucille! Um, yeah, at one point, she just kind of... She, she shows her a Kama Sutra. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, well, you know, now that you two have... Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, you know, you might get some use out of this. And she's like, actually, we haven't because... Uh, Oh, her father was brutally murdered. <laughs> right. Um, that whole thing. We'll get into that later. Um, but uh, kind of a yeah, turn, she, kind of a turn off. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> she said, "Yeah, he was very respectful of my mourning." Uh, so yeah, she keeps trying to, like you said, keeps trying to bang, and he's just not not having it. She bang, bang. Bangity bang, bang bang bang, 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 bang. Yeah, and that, that's, that's pretty much the movie. Um, without revealing too much, Edith is just trying to find out exactly what is wrong with Crimson Peak. And, oh, he said it. And um, there's this red ghost floating around that is creepy. <laughs> Yep, she looks like she's made of like the the brick or the, the, the clay. The clay, yeah. 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 Um, she kind of looks like um, carnage, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean that, that that's the general story. Um, so, what did you think? Well, I mean, kind of circling back to what I said before, I think the movie is beautiful. I think I think the the visual visual visuals are stunning. I think the the ghosts are very cool looking, but overall, I think the movie is kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I think the ghosts serve no purpose whatsoever. Yes, and that was a tricky thing about it. They really sell you on a ghost story, but it's yeah. not. It's not a ghost. story. I watched it expecting a ghost story and more of a horror movie, and really, this is more of like a romantic fantasy, if anything. Yeah, or like a even it's not even really a fantasy. It's like a romantic murder mystery almost. Yeah, it's the same murder mystery. Um it was yeah, very reminiscent of like a 
I don't know, like a really grim Sherlock Holmes story yeah. or something. Um, not at all what I was expecting, and because of that, I was pretty disappointed overall. Yeah, same um, here. You know, the, 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 the movie's two hours long, and it drags through the first hour mm-hmm. before anything really starts happening. Um, I mean, you're introduced to all these characters, and like, like they introduce these characters, and you think you're supposed to remember them, but they're really in, kind of inconsequential when it comes down to Most it. Most of them, yeah. Uh, and so it's like you're balancing all these characters, and then like you realize, oh, I remember these characters for no reason. That's you know brain space <clears throat> that's used up now. <clears throat> and like uh, the fact that she was an author was pretty inconsequential too. Yeah, I would have thought that'd play a little more of a part. Yeah. Um, and also, it, let's see if I can say this without giving anything away. At at the end, with with the doctor, Jax. Jax? That was his character in um, Sons of Anarchy. Oh. Is Charlie Hunam? Is that how you pronounce it? I have no idea how you pronounce it, yeah. What happens to him? I don't know. They show him, and then she leaves, and then that's you never see him again. Well, you never really see her either. Well, she goes to go fight. Wait, no, he he was in the very end. Uh, we may have to talk about this off mic. Yeah, we're we're saying too much. Um. So, yeah, it, it's very slow to progress, and I definitely think I agree with what you said that Guillermo del Toro does great directing. He knows how to create a film. Um, knows how to make it look beautiful and magnificent um doesn't know how to write yeah um you know my 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 wife liked it um and she's like saying oh you gotta watch pan's labyrinth in the orphanage but those are in spanish and i don't do subtitles so (laughs) I, i was trying to think back of like all the different guillermo del toro movies the only one i really liked was hellboy and that's an adaptation yeah exactly I like the strain, yeah. Um, but I mean, I think in general he really doesn't have a whole lot to do with that <clears throat> week to week. Anyway, I'm not sure. I think he's like a producer. I don't think he directs or anything. Well, didn't he write the books? Like co-write? Did he? I think so. He may have, and you know, if that that's the case, then fine. But you know, there's an exception to every rule. But yeah. Um. But you know. It, the the strain is serialized. It's not a feature film. True, um, and that that's obviously a different ball game. Um, but this one, yeah, I was kind of let down. And honestly, like if, if you take all the ghosts out of this, not only does it not affect the end result of the movie, no, but it makes it so that we would not be talking about it on this show. Yeah, because exactly. it, it would not be even remotely close to a horror movie. It's 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 frustrating that this was definitely marketed not only by the production company and you know their their advertising, but as like the, like the genre sites advertising yeah. this as a horror. It's like I don't think I'd even qualify this as a thriller. Not really, no. Um, I mean, like like you said, like a murder mystery is like the best 
example of it, and I don't care how how much you stretch the definition. And even then, it's not that there's there's not much to the murder part of it. Not really, no. Though that's a side note. It's like yeah, like you said, her dad does get murdered, but it's not the movie isn't trying to figure out who killed him. That's not that's not the plot of the movie. No. And you know, as far as Edith is concerned, through pretty much the entire movie, he wasn't even murdered. He slipped. That's right. Yeah. That's here's what we talk about now. Uh, The way her father dies is probably. This is going to sound grim. Probably the best part of the movie <laughs> because it's, it's so brutal. fucking grim. Oh my god! Somebody comes in. He's he's like he's in a in a in a club, um, kind of like like a gentleman's not gentleman, <laughs> not a gentleman's club as you can say, like melon now. shakers, right? <laughs> but you know, a guy a place where like men, a YMCA kind of place, but more upscale, right? It's like people you know men would come and. Uh, they would, you know, have drinks or, um, you know, you know, have, have drinks and a cigar and <clears throat> maybe play some kind of game or something. But then also it has, you know, uh, a place where you can get cleaned up. You know, she has a shower room and a place where you can shave, all that. So that's what he's doing is he's there getting cleaned up, you know, having to shave. Somebody comes in and... Knocks him to the ground and smashes his face in on the corner of the sink repeatedly. Oh my god! Just like gaping hole in his forehead. Yeah, his face is caved in, and it shows it. I mean, it's not it doesn't like focus on it, but you can like see fucking like corner shaped divots in his face. Yeah, it's fucked up. It was heinous. But it was awesome at the same time. Because, you know, long-time listeners know that I'm a fucking gore fiend. So uh, anything like that captures my interest. So that that's out. like I, I was watching that scene. I was like, oh, 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 damn. Yeah. <laughs> my wife and I were there. There was one other couple in the theater. Um, and that was it. Of course, you know, we saw this at like, it was like 7.30 on a Thursday night. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were, we kind of felt free to be a little, a little louder than we normally be. And uh, we we're just like, oh, <laughs> um, have you ever been to a theater where you're the only, like you, you and your party are the only people in the theater? Um, yes, I have not many times there, there's been a lot of times where I thought I was going to be. And then somebody, it's happened to me one time, me, me and my buddy, John went and saw blade two, hmm. <laughs> the only ones there. So we're talking at full volume throughout the whole movie. We would get up and start recreating the fight scenes in the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, at the end, during the end credits, and it's playing, like, the techno music, we were, like, having a dance party. Awesome. <laughs> I know my dad, when he was, uh, was he not, I guess he wasn't working at the time. He was just kind <clears> of, like, on a, a sabbatical, I guess. <laughs> um, like, kind of his one reprieve from, you know, like, job hunting and basically sitting around the house all day. Like, you know, once a week, he'd go out to the movies by himself. 
And the way this theater was set up, it was super easy to leave one movie and go into another one. Mm. Uh, and my, he would, like, coordinate this. Like, he would find, like, the perfect time where a movie, it's, you know, he'd find its running length and figure out when it's going to get out and when or, like, what the next movie he could jump into, like, seamlessly would be. Um, he, he made a bit of an art format. <laughs> um but he told me several times that he's like, you know, he's in the afternoon on a fucking Wednesday and he's, you know, usually the only person in the theater. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, so Crimson Peak, not what I was expecting. Um, you know, I think I'd probably be like maybe a little less harsh on it had I not felt like I was kind of led astray here. I agree. I mean, it's. I don't want to say it's a bad movie because it's it's not. It, it is slow. It's a slow moving movie. Um, it there, it's like you said. It's two hours long. It probably didn't need to be. No, there's way too much character development. But it is a, a beautiful movie. It's visually very good. It's very well acted. I mean, you know, uh, Mia Wazahuzits and and Tom Hiddleston, all very good actors. Yeah. I I loved the the era that it took place in. Yeah, the costuming, the buildings, all of it. Yeah, were amazing. You know, this took took place in um, like we said, like late late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, somewhere in there. Um, and it's in uh, Buffalo, New York. Go go Buffalo. Yeah, that. Um, but yeah, like it just adds the 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 visual awesomeness of this movie is mm-hmm. like just like I said the architecture and the the costume especially like I love those old Victorian like the way they dressed back then you know yeah. it's kind of like um, you should just start dressing like that yeah all the time yeah. just really bring it back just big heavy clothes and like high collars all the yeah. time bring it back <laughs> the giant bow ties yeah um anyway Story-wise, it was pretty, 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 pretty good, but not really. No. <laughs> Opposite of that. Um. Anyway, so anything else to say? Um. I don't think so. I I, I thought the crimson snow was awesome. I thought it, I thought it looked really cool as an element in the movie. Yeah, it was cool. If I had to live there, that would be a different story. I think you'd get used to it pretty quickly. It's not like he's like, every winter the fucking blood boils out of the ground. <laughs> then I'd be like, yeah, you can shove this building right up your ass. It's just this is too creepy. I couldn't do it. You're and weird. the house is fucking sinking. Why would you want to live there well, anyway? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as soon as they moved in, I thought it was going to turn into a remake of The Money Pit. <laughs> Which um, is a good movie. It is a good movie. <laughs> Tom Hanks at his best. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that a, I, think that, I think that's all I got. Okay. Well, what's your rating? <sighs> I don't want to mark it down too low just because it is visually a very stunning movie. But it's not a very strong horror movie and there's a lot of lag 
when, when it does pick up, though, it, it does get interesting. Um, but that's really like the final act of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm rating it pretty much purely as a horror movie, you know, because that's what I was sold. <laughs> I was sold a horror movie and I didn't receive it. Yeah. Agreed. Um, like I said, the, the, the ghosts are very cool looking. It, Intrigues me for a Guillermo del Toro haunted mansion movie. Sure, although as I, I kind of yeah, I kind of want someone else to write it, <laughs> just not whoever wrote the first one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I like the, the visuals were amazing. I mean, as we've said many times now, uh, the acting was great. It had a great cast. Um, all people that I I, I like uh, on screen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all the, overall the, the, I, I, I did not see the horror movie that I was promised essentially. Um, and, uh, the story itself was pretty lacking. So, uh, all things considered, I, I match yours and say four. Okay. Well, I guess let's just move on then. All right. Move on to our second movie, which is, is is from last year, right? I think so, yeah. From Land of the Kiwis, New Zealand, movie called Deathgasm. You know that evil heavy metal that your parents hate you listening to? Those lyrics about hell, demons, and doom. What if I told you it's all real? I know. I was there. Jesus! It's piss. That's me, Brody. My friends are losers. So we started a band. Check it out. Ricky Daggers. Is he dead? Wouldn't it be crazy if the music had something to do with demons? Demons. Translated those pages. But now people are turning crazy, like possessed, crazy. What's up? That was pretty cool. As is, I mean, the axe and the. You know, I'm not even sure I'm in the right tuning. Brother, still. This fucking movie, man. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> this fucking movie. This is a movie that we were supposed to do a while ago. Yeah. Um, but it was still doing the festivals then, I think. I, 
something like so that. I knew, yeah. I knew it was out, but I think it was still doing the festival, so it hadn't hit VOD yet. Um, yeah, this is about a guy named Brody whose mom gets institutionalized for being a crack whore. <laughs> she tried to suck Santa Claus's dick <laughs> in front of children. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so he gets sent to live with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air. <laughs> Only not in Bel Air. First part's New, true. New Zealand Bel Air. Yeah, whatever the, whatever the New Zealand equivalent of Bel Air is, that's where he goes. Psych. It's like the New Zealand version of like suburbia. Fuck nowhere. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, so he's living with it's his like Bible Belt or something. His aunt and his uncle and his cousin. And his cousin is just like the super stereotypical jock bully douchebag. Yeah. Just gives him shit constantly for absolutely no reason. Yeah. His name is Chad, probably. <laughs> I don't think probably. it was, but I don't know what it was, and I don't really care because he was a douchebag. It's like Skeeter. Skeeter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Brody meets this guy named Zach at a record store. They're both looking through the metal records, and... uh one one major problem with this scene is uh, Brody pulls out a Poison album and Zach gives him a dirty look and he's like, oh, God, no. Um, fucking Poison is awesome. I don't think death metal guys think that. Well, death metal guys are wrong. <laughs> poison and, is great. And how about Zach looks like a young uh, Glenn Danzig? He not, totally does. But not like Misfits Glenn, Dan- Glenn Danzig, like current Danzig, but as like 20 <laughs> years old. Except not as buff. Right. So they decide they're going to start a band with Brody's friends, uh, Dion and Giles. Right. Who they also call Giles. Uh, Depends on who's talking. Do you say both? Dion calls him Giles. Brody calls him Giles. Hmm. He's a big fat kid with a mullet. Yep. And he uh, beats them skins. Yeah, he's the drummer. Dion is the keyboardist, Zach is the bass player and lead singer, and Brody is the guitar player. Mm-hmm. No, Brody cannot really play guitar very well. Um, they both play Warlocks from BC Rich because yep. it's like the epitome of a metal guitar. Yeah, if you want to just find like a really low-end guitar or like puts out a lot of low-end and has absolutely no real definition between the notes, then that's what you want to go for. I mean, if you just Google metal guitar... You're going to get a BC Rich, either Warlock or uh, Mockingbird or something. Yeah. So they they find out that the former singer of one of their favorite bands, Hacks and Sword, lives in this little podunk town. So they go to his house, they break in, and they find him there holding this record like it's a baby, mm-hmm. just... Like he doesn't want to let it go, they end up stealing the record from him. They they open it up and what do they find inside? A Rick Astley record. What do they do? They chuck it. Come on, you're killing me. You're fucking up. <laughs> Poison and Rick Astley. That's awesome. <laughs> you know we're of the mindset that if you Rick roll us, we're not going to feel it as a burden. We're going to take it as a treat. Yeah. We're, we'll sit there and watch the whole video. Yeah. Try us. <laughs> uh, but inside the sleeve is notes to a song. 
So they decide they're going to steal it, make it a Deathgasm song. That's the name of their band, by the way, in right. case I didn't say that. Uh, I wish I had written down some of the, like, when they're trying to come up with a band name, all the, like, fucking, like, grotesque, awful names. They Did you watch from. The Stinger at the end? Yes. It's just them trying to come up with more band names. Yeah. <laughs> but I wish I, would, like, would have remembered them or written them down or something, because some of them were pretty funny. I remember there was one that was Intesticide. <laughs> And it's like perfect, like they perfectly capture trying to name a band. It's like everybody's throwing out all these ideas, but nobody's really considering any of the ones except <laughs> the ones they come up with. Yeah. <laughs> and then Zach is just like, no, it's Deathgasm. Yeah. <laughs> and so they play this song, and it just happens to turn everyone within earshot into demons. Right. Is everyone just adults now that I think about it? It, see, that, there were kids too. Uh, were there? Yeah. Because, I mean, none of the band did. Um, what's her face? Medina? Medina. She didn't. Medina is the chick that Brody's trying to get with. Right. Air quotes. Um, Said a bang. 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 Uh, but guess who she's dating? Chad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that was a, something that was odd because she was like a total like cheerleader type, you know, kind of, you know, like blonde and not ditzy, but, you know, seemed of that like kind of in crowd a little bit. Uh, and, you know, Chad is a total tool. So why is that surprising? That she wanted to get with Brody. Oh, that part. Yeah. Uh, and she was like super into him. She's like basically throwing herself at him, and he's like not picking up on it. Right, because he's a nerd. Right. Uh, it just seemed odd because that doesn't happen. <clears throat> That's not real life. Yeah. Then of course he introduces her to metal, and she's enthralled. Right. You see her boobies. Were they actually hers, or were they stunt boobs? I'm pretty sure they were hers. All right. If I remember correctly. Well. All right. All right, all right, all right. Um, anyway, continue. Yeah, so they turn everyone into demons, and then they have to fight the demons, and they're trying to figure out how to stop the demons. Demons, demons, demons. <laughs> and the demons are demons who are demonic. <laughs> yeah, so they try to play the song backwards, and that doesn't work, and then they're right. basically just killing a lot of demons. Yeah. And there's this weird cult that's like... They're after the the black hymn is the name of the song, and they're they're trying to get it for their own power. Um, demonic demons. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like the the whole thing is that it's like a precursor, like like the playing the song raises demons or you know possesses the the people around you with demons and um. <laughs> Demons and demons. Demons, demons, demons. <laughs> <clears throat> um, But then, like, I don't know if, like, I have to do some kind of ceremony to raise this, like, demon god, basically. <laughs> I think the, the the end song has to be demons, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> That's right, yeah. The Whatever whatever he is. Yeah. The, yeah, King Demon. The big... Not King Diamond. Right. Big demon. Demon. Diamond. 
The Diamond Demon. <laughs> um, so that, that, that's it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the story. Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it was okay. Uh, I wasn't in love with it, but I didn't hate it. Um, I had a weird perspective on this in that, you know, I, I, like I just did it with Crimson Peak, but like talking about how uh, the movie progresses too slowly. Like there's not – there's like too much focus on character development um, and story building rather than just doing the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was kind of the opposite I felt like. I felt like they things blew were their too early? Well, not necessarily that. Just things were happening too fast. Um, and it's like, like – like with Medina – for example, she's dating Brody's cousin. He's a dick, so he breaks up with. She breaks up with him, and then she's totally into Brody. Uh, and then they're like, you know, like totally into each other, and just like that whole thing happened very quickly. Um, and you know, this this cult, like, what was their deal? Like, there was very little explanation about who they were, um, and. Like, I don't know. There's just there's 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 too much going on and not enough explanation for it. I felt. Hmm. I I can see that, yeah. but that wasn't a concern for me. Sure. I loved it. <laughs> Hot take alert. This could be like the Evil Dead for a new generation. Hmm. I don't know about that. I mean, it's. It's horror comedy, and it's like slapsticky kind of comedy, and there's also just a ton of gore. There's a lot of gore. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and some good gore. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I was kind of surprised. It's, when uh, people get like their heads split with an axe. And, yeah. Um, I, you know, it's always like... Uh, I don't want to say a goal, but like, it's always nice to see like what people you choose to use as weapons in movies like this. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed in general. Um, I mean, like Brody strapped a fucking drill to his guitar. It was just drilling demons in the head. Well, before that, he had razor wire on a weed whacker. It's true. That was cool. You're really good at whacking guys off. <laughs> Um, I did like, uh, oh God, was, uh, the guy, the keyboardist, what was his name? Uh, Dion. Dion. Uh, his choice of weapon was fucking those foam Hulk fists. <laughs> it took me forever. It's so dumb. To, it took me forever to figure out what the fuck he was, had on his hands. Really? Yeah. Cause, cause it was kind of dark, but as soon as he came into the light, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> if anything, it's going to make your punch hurt, hurt less. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and then, you know, Medina had, like, an axe. Yeah. Uh, the demons look cool. Yeah. They didn't sound cool because I couldn't understand what they were saying. Yeah, you, you know, you, you combine, uh, like, a, you know, a vocal distortion with an accent, and it's just unintelligible. Yeah, I, most most of the demons 
talking I could not understand at all. Yeah. But I, I thought it was great. I thought, like, I mean, I don't know if Evil Dead for a new generation might be a, a little hyperbolic, but it's just, it has that kind of feel. It's Evil Dead 2, more specifically. It, it, I could definitely see <clears throat> some inspiration. Yeah. Um, kind of, yeah, these, you know, young, kind of aloof heroes. Right. Take on a horde of demons, essentially. And, and I mean, like, not just like the story, but the, the feel of the movie, just, you know, tons of gore, um, you know, not a lot of story, but, and then just, you know, mixing the comedy with the horror. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I kind of wish that the Black Hymn was more of a song. It's like three notes. Yeah. It'd be awesome if it was like this fucking like wailing metal. Good well, that's what I thought. Is like Because when they start playing it, they kind of get possessed almost. And yeah. they're, they're just like, you know, they have no idea what's going on. It's just all instinctual. And so since, you know, they make a point of showing that Brody is not a very strong guitar player and he starts soloing and he's just very bad at it. So I thought, you know, when they were in this vegetative state, all of a sudden he was just going to start wailing mm-hmm. and just start wheelie, wheelie, wah, wheelie, wah. <laughs> That, that was kind of like um, maybe highlights. Highlighted is not the right word, but it was kind of an element of the end of the movie. Um, which honestly, I thought the ending was kind of weak. Yeah, we won't discuss it, but um, I mean, there wasn't a lot to it. It was kind of predictable, I guess. It was. That's true. And somewhat anticlimactic. Yeah. Like, the, the, the big battle at the end doesn't really pay off the way you'd hope it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh well. Uh, how about Medina at the end, though? With the, like, black streaks in her hair and yeah. the, the nose loop? You've heard my theory about girls with nose loops, right? They yeah. love the cock. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or they're lesbians. <laughs> Which is pretty much opposite ends of the spectrum, but... Right. Uh, yeah, she looked she look fan. Girl, you're fine. I think she was wearing, like... Was she wearing, like, a, one of his t-shirts, I think, that was, like, cut down the sides? It was, stuff. yeah, some metal band shirt. Yeah. And then she had a Sharpie Dawn tattoo. Right. They cannot get fake tattoos to look real. No. They always look like they're drawn on with Sharpie. Well, it's like they always use black ink. Yeah. And black ink does not look black when it's... Healed. Tattooed, yeah. Right. It looks kind of green. Yeah, a little bit. You know, kind of like greenish-blue almost. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they need to... Makeup artists really need to focus on that. <laughs> And, like, don't do it themselves. Let tattoo artists do it. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good idea. Yeah. What do you think of the soundtrack? Because you're, you're definitely more of a metalhead than I am. I'm not super into, like, death and metal, black yeah. metal, though. Yeah. Uh, but it was all right. It, it, this movie was cool because it was, it was very metal-themed. Yeah. And um, they definitely, like, embrace the metal culture. It's not just, like, a element of the characters. It's It's a very integral part of the story. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was almost like 
a live action Metalocalypse a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like when they're on the bench eating ice cream and he's got his corpse paint on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he gives her a bunch of CDs to go through and she's like, oh, anal cunt. Yeah. Yeah. I like bands like anal cut and cattle decapitation and shit. And, uh, Have you seen Anal Cunt's like logo? I'm sure I have, but I can't think it's, of it right now. It's pretty offensive. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Did you know Daniel Bryan has a, a, a move called the cattle decapitation? No. <laughs> he uh, does. All right. <laughs> he doesn't really use it anymore, though. Doesn't he not really do anything well, anymore? <laughs> at this point, yes. 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 I hate you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got. Okay, yeah. I'm- I do I do have to say, though, that the, the, um, I, when I'm reading about this movie, I saw some people who were like, you have to stick around for the stinger because it's awesome. It's, it's not. It's not that good. It's interesting. It, like, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's yeah. they made it seem like it was the best part of the movie. It's, yeah. it's not. You, like, if, if you miss it, you're not missing anything. No, it's not integral to the story. No. I mean, if it was, they would put it in the movie. But Sure. Uh, so there's that. There um, it is. Ratings, I guess? Uh, I'm going to go eight. Eight? Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know. I got, I think probably say seven. It's all right. It's all right. I wouldn't buy it. I rented it. That was good enough. I I might. I don't know. I, I don't know. I like don't this know. this is going to sound xenophobic, but if it, if they were American, I probably would definitely buy it. But I only say that be, just because uh, the accents, especially with the demons, are hard to understand, mm-hmm. and that that took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, just because I have to you know keep rewinding to try and figure out what's going on, and that takes away my enjoyment in the movie. Mm. I was. Think that you could have turned turn down the the auto tune or whatever the effect is yeah. just a little bit. I always thought that like both Australian, uh, like Australian, New Zealand, and you know British, obviously, their voices always sound or not their voices necessarily, but the way they talk always comes across funnier uh, when they're making jokes, just because they have different inflections than us. Yeah, and it just like. It's like you think, oh, well, I know how an American would deliver that joke, but the way they deliver it is different, and that makes it funnier. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – yeah, it's like you said. It's a little xenophobic. Um, um, but, yeah. So that's that's uh, that's it. Yeah. So uh, I guess we just got to do – one more thing, and then we'll get out of here? Or? Yeah. All right, so we're going to do some plot holes. Did you actually do it? I actually did it. Yay! You didn't fail me this time. <laughs> All right, I need a past tense verb. Uh, diarrheaed. Not di- uh, I'm just going to phone this in. Re-ed. Yeah, you know what it says. <laughs> Noun. Abscess. I don't know how to spell any of these things. Adverb. Orgasmically. We're going to try this again. <laughs> it's not hella this time. 
You said orgasmically? Yep. All right. Uh, noun. Prolapsed sphincter. Jesus Christ. Four adjectives. Throbbing, glistening, raw, and poop-stained. Wait. Yes. Poop-stained. Uh, present tense verb ending in S. Pisses. Past tense verb. Farted. Arts and farts and crafts. <laughs> uh, verb present ending in S. Oozes. You. And a noun. Beef chalupa. All right. So, for those of you who don't know what's going on, this is a game called Plot Holes. I keep saying game. It's a thing called Plot Holes. It's a thing we do. It's a thing we do. Just deal with it. It's called Plot Holes. We take the plot of a horror movie, we remove a bunch of words and replace them Mad Lib style. And so now we're going to find out what... Tony has done to the movie Oculus. Two siblings, diarrheaed by a childhood tragedy, learn that the source of their horror is a mysterious abscess with a dark history. Tim and Kaylee were merely teenagers when both of their parents were orgasmically butchered. <laughs> convicted, ah. <laughs> uh, convicted of the killings and sentenced to protective custody, Tim serves his prolapsed sphincter while Kaylee drifts into a throbbing despair. Years later, a newly glistening Tim does his best to lay the past to rest. Meanwhile, Kaylee is certain that her brother was raw all along and that the poop-stained mirror <laughs> their parents used to own holds the answer to their darkest questions. Upon locating the long-lost looking glass, Kaylee's deepest fears are confirmed. A menacing force pisses that mirror, and it has farted every owner who has come into possession of it. Now, as curious Kaylee oozes the mirror... The nightmarish cycle of horror returns with a beef chalupa. That's not, that not the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, they can't all be winners. I like the beef chalupa, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, all those words, like when I come up with the words, like they sound really funny together, but then, you know, it's really just a crapshoot if they're going to be funny. In it's context. usually like when you have a verb. That then then has a noun after it that often doesn't work, like her oozing the mirror just doesn't, doesn't right. Work. But it's impossible for me to know that, right? So that's the show. That's it. Uh, felt like we're still recovering from October a little bit. This, this one was a little slow. Eh, they can't all be winners. <laughs> But you'll come back and listen again because you're sheep, all of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, come back to us. Yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks with... The Final Girls and Knock Knock. Hey. Until then, uh, make sure you go to graveplotpodcast.com. Find links to subscribe to the show. Follow us on social media. Listen to every single episode. And watch our short films. Yes, we still have both of them up. Our most recent one, The Camp Out, uh, went over very well with everyone we've shown it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out on YouTube or on our website. Um, if you do check it out on YouTube, uh, give it a give it a rating and uh, give, it, give it a thumbs up. Yeah, that that thing. Uh, leave us a nice comment. Tell us tell us what you thought. We would greatly appreciate that. And go buy some T-shirts. Yeah. 
we have sales every once in a while. Yeah, if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, we will post a sale, get you know, ten percent off or something. Yep. Yeah. Just buy you and five friends a shirt, and then get five them to buy five shirts of for their friends, and then so on and so on. Yep. That. Anyway, so um, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll catch you again in a couple weeks. Until then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. Mm-hmm.